Pitchers who can only go five innings. Batters that don't know how to bunt or hit behind the runner. Players that don't know how many outs they're rolling on the field. Is baseball the best it's ever been? Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we think that's the case. Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. If I had uh, a nickel for everybody that you know talks about the old days in baseball and how much better the baseball was then, uh, I don't think we'd, I'd need to work anymore. Um. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's it's the pining for the we've talked about it even somewhat recently with you know going back into macho baseball, and I, I think it's interesting because there's a difference between macho baseball and sort of what we're talking about here today, and that we're talking about the quality of the game itself because I think there are things that the players today are not quite as good at. I think that if you ask the average player to bunt today, I don't think they're quite as good at that as they used to be. Now that might just be because it's way harder to bunt the pitching today than it used to be. That's a good question because I, I I think I would probably get pushback from some people. Why is it harder? Well, well, they're throwing 99 miles an hour, and, and by the way, bunting was always thought to be easier against an off-speed pitch than a fastball. So that that does support being more difficult. But players don't practice bunting, right? They're not really asked to do it. And and they come to the major leagues at such, and this is an important point about all of this, right? They come to the major leagues at a younger age most of the time that they really haven't had to do that before because they were, you know, just working their way up to the minor just, leagues to right. get to the big club. They were just doing, they were just showing off their skills and their skills are what got them promoted, not their technical mastery of the game in some respects. So a manager is less likely to even try to bunt and, and, and that sort of fell out of fashion from a uh, strategy standpoint in baseball, right? That you, you, you started not wanting to give up at bats well, in that g- way. Right, because bunting is basically for sure giving up an out for not a for sure chance at advancing the guy. Right, and it's only been two years now that pitchers don't hit. So basically you had in, in every game, if the number eight hitter or seven hitter got on base, uh, the pitcher was bunting like 90% of the time for as long as there was you know, Major League Baseball. And now you don't have that anymore, so you have fewer bunts in, in general because need, you, you don't, don't have that don't situation. Have a, but that's because you only had a guy in the lineup that was so bad that bunting became a better value play than it was otherwise or is currently. And, and the statistics and, and the metrics, you know, tell managers that giving up and out via a bunt is not as good a play, even though for the baseball fan and when they're watching it, it seems like this is a you'll see a situation and you'll say, guy should bunt here. Right? They would have bunt in, you know, in 1976 or something like right, that. But was that actually the better play? That's I, the thing. There's not a guarantee that bunting there is the right decision. And I think it's the same way where, you know, we talk about our guys better defenders today. Well, yeah, obviously guys are way better defenders today. But I think because one, we see every single play of every single game defensively because it's all broadcast that you're way more likely to see the couple of boneheaded plays that occur Whereas before, that single play would just be an error in the box score that only the couple of people that were either the couple thousand people that were at the game was ever watching the local broadcast might view. That's an excellent point. And I think so from an athleticism standpoint, I'm, I'm with you that there are more extraordinary plays and catches and and I, I don't want to say throws necessarily because I, I can't evaluate that but you know in terms of what you guys say, still had great guys jumping up and take stealing home runs at the rate they do today you know 60 years ago I'm doubtful of that uh, but I, I don't doubt that Roberto Clemente had one of the ma- most amazing throwing arms I've ever seen and no one would, would contend that or Dave Parker for that matter yeah. or all these guys you know who who could really throw the ball and I don't think that's changed that much uh, but the players are faster so throwing a guy out is 
is harder, right? Because the guys are getting there quicker. They're able to make catches on balls that previously they didn't even have a chance at making. Right, and and I think the the um, old time baseball fan who's looking at you know that they're you know they don't know the fundamentals and they don't know how many outs and they don't know which base to throw to. There's there's a shred of truth in all of this. Well, I, I think, but I <laughs> it's think it's true. You can look at the defensive because you know what I remember used to happen a lot is you used to have a lot of in par, inside the park home runs on those low sinking liners where the outfielder would come in on it, dive for it, whiff on it, and then it would get by him and the guy would like have a guaranteed triple or score. That like doesn't happen anymore. They've trained the players not to do that nearly. It doesn't as, happen as much. It, it does happen. Ha- it does happen, but it doesn't happen nearly as much as it used to. Now you mostly see the inside the park home runs when the ball ricochets off a wall in some wild direction and the guy has to chase it to try and catch up to it. Right, and, and and I think that you know the the outfielders you know play in general is you know they they know where to stand they, they, they like they always have but they can you, like you said they can make up ground on a ball that they mm-hmm. even misplay so if you if you don't see it they can run it down in a way that the just general athleticism of these guys is better now part of I think the reason why you're seeing such an increase in player skill and player tools is that just like the training the weightlifting, the programs around getting better at the game are so much better today because being a baseball player is a profession in a different way. It used to be a way that like guys made money back in the day, but you could do that by just being talented and good and better than the people around you. Now, everybody is so good that you not only need to be supremely talented, you need to work like mad in order to just keep your spot in the league. We did our episode uh, where we did some some of these strange but true baseball stories. Right. Stuff, and you, Gordon, whatever the guy's name was, who who showed up at the tryout with his friend. Right, and, and he was and, really fast. He played softball and he was really fast and they signed him to a contract. And that's not happening today. No, no, guys, that would never <laughs> Open happen. tryouts, they don't, they don't go to the ballpark. Let's go to the ballpark, everybody. like going to try and make the Mets. No, that's not happening. But that used to happen. They used to, get, they used to find people like that. So I think that's a big deal in why you've seen the general level of the game being played has gone up. Oh, and, and the look, playing youth baseball, right, in, in an organized way, not that there wasn't Little League before, but the travel baseball and, and, and what's come about in the past the, 25 the years. the industry with the coaches and the training and the methods for that are so much higher. And it's a more international game. I, I thought, like, when you played youth baseball and all that, you had a, a coach who was very detail-oriented, and he taught me a lot about baseball coaching and playing mm-hmm. because he had done it for a long time. Uh, and, and I thought, wow, it's a lot more complicated than the average fan, and I'm, I was just a dad playing. And so I learned, you know, from that standpoint, the level of sophistication that you have in a 15-year-old baseball game. So in that respect, that's much more sophisticated than maybe what might have been happened when guys were, you know, running around playing youth baseball after high school trying to hook on in the summer to keep playing you know not everybody got to play in the Cape Cod League you know or something like that during the summertime so I I think that level of consistent teaching and competition can prepare the players in a way that you know I think is underrated by people that think about when the players come into the league they haven't had enough minor league seasoning guy used to go down there and he would toy on the minor leagues for four years before he could get up to the big club right but the teams were just doing that as much to manipulate service time (laughs) that's true That's well, and and right because even if the guy was better, you wouldn't bring him up. Where that has finally begun to right, really now, not be the now case. Now they've realized. Wait a second, we have an eighteen-year-old or nineteen-year-old kid. He might just be good enough to play right away in the majors, and if he is, 
how are we doing him or our team a disservice by letting him be better than people in the minor leagues? Right, right. And and baseball players, like most sports now, and, and maybe, you know, I, I lament this a little bit, uh, and, and Macron talks about this because, you know, he played a lot of other sports before he played tennis. So the focus on the one sport, right? You decide you're going to become a baseball player, and unless you're an extraordinary athlete like Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that where you can actually do both things at a high level, um, you still eventually have to make a choice, obviously. Um, and you, most people just focus on that one sport, whatever it is. And you focus on baseball, you're playing baseball all year long. Right, and that's something all that didn't long. used to happen. And that's even what, even for the in the cold weather places. Right, you're going right? to go inside and train. And, and if you're doing that year-round from when you're a kid, you're going to get kids that develop at a much higher and faster rate. And then you do that across the world, the potential pool of players to compete in major league baseball is so much greater than it once was well and that's only going to help increase the level of the sport and just you know forget forget about the first second that you know how many people are coming to play baseball here that aren't born in the united states which you know right i mean if you even go back there's how many people that just weren't allowed to play baseball because of the color of their skin so you, you certainly by increasing the number of people that are participating that you can pull from the average level goes up as a result as well but but baseball as it was played in you know the 30s 40s 50s and 60s the golden era kind of stuff you know in baseball those guys you know uh had really little competition from the other major sports that would have somebody go and play not baseball because you really didn't get paid if you played the other sports. I think when you look at baseball back in the day, I think something that people are talking about um, and and bringing up and listeners have kind of commented that and, and people when they talk about how it's being better back in the old days. I do agree with them in that I think the narratives were better back in the old days because they were less muddied. It was much more clear who the teams that were going to be in the World Series were. And you could weave a much more romantic tale about the way the season played out due to the pennant races. And so I think that baseball might not have been as high quality of a pure game in terms of the level of play on the field, but I think the narrative of the season was stronger back in the day. I, and I think the way it was covered, as you were saying that, it started making me think about, you know, as we talked about, the writers would protect the players in ways that they won't do that now. You right. know, everybody's looking for a story or an angle, but you wouldn't get a story from a player if you did something that you shouldn't. So you're traveling with the team. And so you're right. It, it created a narrative. It created a... Um, a whole feeling, right, that the team had that the season was a narrative in and of itself for your team. Uh, and so if you are, you know, in, in a, and, and remember the whole thing with, I was talking about this first division and second division teams, all those teams vying for the playoffs back before 1960, when, you know, when expansion started, there were eight teams in each league. So if you were in the top four teams, you were in the first division. If you were in the bottom four teams, in the second division. So you'd have this, you didn't really care about those teams that were, you know, below only the teams like via the Yankees uh, and you're vying for a championship. You're just the one team that had a chance to beat you. It was the only team you had to beat. <laughs> exactly. And, and it was interesting. I found a very interesting website that kind of goes back through the ages, showing down the division races and the pennant races throughout all of the different decades based on, you know, how many games, whatever team was, you know, up by at the end of the month, each month. And you see how the advent of the wild card 
even though I think ends up getting you a clearer picture of who maybe the best team is, because there's a lot of years where, you know, oh, maybe there was one team that was out in front all season. They end up just barely hanging on to beat out some other team that got hot later. And so, yeah, that other team played better from the season. But if you were playing them right now, the hot team was the best team in baseball. And I think you're, you're more likely to get that in the wild card rounds now where kind of all that matters is making the playoffs. And that has devalued the regular season a little bit. But I think more than anything, it's devalued the narrative of the season. And what an excellent point that is. You're right. So if the Yankees, you know, the Yankees won all those, and we talked about this, all those World Series and that. And so from they won from 36 to 39. They won from 49 to 53. And they were in the World Series and won the 41 and 43. So all those years, there were no other American League teams in the World Series. And you had the few years in between where maybe Cleveland got in there or the, or, or, you know, the Red Sox, uh, you know, got in there and to, to play for the World Series and not win it. Um, and, and and basically, they own that. Stuff. And it was kind of boring if you were like well, the Tigers or the Orioles and you weren't getting in there. You didn't have a chance. But that's where the the benefit of time plays on the side of that because when you look back on it through, you know, you know with the lens of nostalgia, you know, plastered over it, you only remember the good playoff rate, the good pennant races. You remember the ones like in 51 where the Dodgers collapsed down the stretch and the Giants came back in to win the pennant at the very end of the season. That was a phenomenal pennant race. And then the years where the miracle of Coogan's bluff, the Dodgers just ran away with it or the Yankees dominated and had a 10 game lead on the pennant from about the end of May through the end of the season. Well, that was just a proper coronation of the best team. You're right. So that was mythic, right? Because the Dodgers and the Yankees played against each other in the World Series a lot. And the Dodgers obviously famously not winning other than 1955 until, you know, until late after that. And so all those years of wait till next year and all that. But talk about the rest of baseball going, another Yankee Dodger World Series? Enough of this already. And I never really thought about it that way from the standpoint because it's so New York centric. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so when, especially as a New Yorker, you've only ever heard the New York version of baseball. So everything is waxed about poetically because everybody lived all those pennant races. It's not that way for all the teams that just literally never made it all those years. And and I think the argument that the you know has made sometimes that players were hungrier, you know, back in the day and they would do anything to stay on the team and and, and make I, I I don't know if I I, I buy it. It's just it's that, that, that's an impossible quant- right, thing to right. quantify so it just becomes about a way to prop up whichever group because you could say oh the players today work harder than ever and nobody can prove either one of those statements but what is different and we talked about this in some of our manager uh discussions and episodes is that the relationship between the players and the manager is very different the imperious manager who could do whatever the manager wanted and the player had to put up with it that is no longer possible in major league baseball you will not last as a manager if you try to operate that way well i think the tony la russa well i think the advent of free agency (laughs) made it very very clear that it was not a manager somehow tapping in to the talent of the player getting to get them to get the oh, most Oh, that is so the narrative that was going on for right. years. Said, oh, it was the manager truly unlocking He got the most out of right. me. No, that's, not exa- that's not what it is at all. The great players are great no matter where they go, so the manager is literally more than a ego manager but a really good manager can get the player to 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 he's gonna play help his best to un- help him play right. his best but a good player is a good player it's 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 a good player going somewhere and playing badly you would never blame on the manager right i, I think i think fans would you know like to say when a player is slumping 
Why don't you bench him? That'll teach him, and that'll 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 get him to you know he'll he'll, he'll let him watch for a couple of days, and then he'll you know he, maybe he'll and come it's like, back. If it was really that easy to just watch somebody hit a baseball, why aren't we all pros? But they still do that. Buck Showalter has said that. I thought we just let him sit on the bench and watch for a couple of days. Well, that sounds like benching to me, and 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 it might be the right thing to do for that particular player, but managers don't do it anywhere near to to the effect that they used to. Because oh, they're also not totally free to do whatever they want. The team is not their domain they're now beholden to analytics guys and guys at the front office and buck might say look i want to sit vientos he hasn't been hitting well and some guys like yeah we don't care get him the at bats we want to see so you don't buy that they're they were hungrier then because every dollar meant something to these players in a way that they're multi-millionaires now already are just getting to the major leagues anybody that's a professional athlete anybody that's ever competed in the the top one percent of anything didn't get there purely off the back of their own the number of guys and people that can play at that level purely off the back of their own natural talent is so infinitesimal it's maybe like one guy every 10 or 15 years that's just that naturally gifted for the most part every one of those guys is dedicated to the game of baseball and getting better in such a way that to say that they're less hungry is it's just silly. I Why is it most of the time, and, and, and it's anecdotal to a certain degree, but that the greatest players seem to be the hardest workers, right? You hear about the guys that just, you know, the guy puts in the work, each well, row, all these guys, like the amount of effort and work they put in to get better. Because we wax poetically about the great ones that do, even though we ignore all the other, you know, average players that might work just as hard as them, but nobody ever sings the tales of their praises, you know, about the guy that was a 250 hitter and played okay defense, but he worked really hard. Nobody's going on about how hard a worker he is. And then also mm-hmm. with the great players, you're either an incredibly hard worker or he got by off the back of pure natural. Talent. I don't hear them talking about anybody like that well, no, anymore. They don't really say that because I don't right. think it's happening. No, because nobody's just nobody is just showing up to the ballpark anymore, rolling out of bed and hitting. They're all putting in all the work. They're all doing all the steps. And 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 I you know look we're fans obviously and we don't have the kind of access that that most of the media has even you know from our standpoint. But I don't even know if those folks know to the degree what individual players are doing to get better it's it, to them it's anecdotal right it's what they're being told by other players who are watching these guys or the player themselves but i i think players are not going to talk about it. they just go out and they do the work and that's you know that's how they stay at the major also, league level also just trying to think about like if you, if you know you're doing a hitting drill with your hitting coach he's putting balls on a tee and you're hitting them and you're working on something how are you going to really relay what exactly it is you're working on to the general public I don't know. Most people aren't going to understand it. Right, right. And and, 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 I, and I think that that's a big, big reason why they don't talk about the specific things they do to get better just because people aren't going to get it if they do try and explain it. No, they're not going to get it. Exactly. So I think uh, you're going to see – I think I would love to see hard knocks for baseball. It would be boring. Would it though? Yeah. Wouldn't I, you? Th- wouldn't you have thought watching training camp for football been boring? I just, you wouldn't want to watch. You wouldn't want to have the camera. Oh, I'd want to watch. Don't get me wrong. It'd be so interesting. I'd want to watch. See some of the things the players are doing and those young guys are doing, trying to get better for the preparation in the season. Don't think that MLB hasn't fi- been thinking about this. They just haven't figured out how to do it yet. I right. would think it's an, it is an interesting idea. Um, I wanted to ask you about specialization, uh, right? And and um, we used to call 
players versatile. I think now we talk about specialists. I think it's a little bit different, right? You you don't have too many guys on the team that can only do one thing. Well, yes, because you don't make the major leagues if you can only do one thing. So are, are, are today's guys that are specialists um, used, well, used to be used to have your loogie. Right, that's gone with well, that's, the with that's the, gone, with, yeah. with the three uh, batter rule, uh, and so that you know you, now you, you can't be like a guy that only gets out left-handed batters. That was a specialist. The well, game the was only special. There. You really have like two types of specialists left: guys or three guys that run really fast, guys that are really good hitters, but they don't run well, and good fielders. Okay, or guys that are really good uh, hitters that don't run well and can't field either. Well, that was kind of part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they basically, you have all of those guys, guys that are so one-dimensional in their game that their only value is to play in single instances and to fill in when your team stinks, out of the Mets and Tim LaCastro. So I, I think you've kind of gotten rid of being a specialist because you can't, just being a guy that's super fast it's too hard to maintain an on base average. So you can't have the guy that might hit 218, but it'll steal 50 bases in a season. Teams are like, we can find some guy that can do much more than that. You've heard me say before, you can't steal first base. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and, and guys that are all glove, well, it's just like, no, we got rid of the pitcher because of how much it's stunk to watch them hit. We don't need the soft hitting shortstop who's hitting 170, but plays defense really well. We can find a guy that plays good defense that'll hit 240. And, and, you know, you, you made a really interesting point and you started talking about um, we should do a, a podcast on those different decades and how the team, the pennant races, because, you know, pennant races before divisional play, you know, weren't always super exciting, but we tend to remember the World Series. Well, you, only re- <laughs> you only remember the pennant races where there were a lot of pennant, where there was a race. Right. I think there's a lot of years where you go back and you look through the charts and you see, oh, yes, the Yankees were ahead 10 and a half games in May, and then it never got any closer than that. And they were just up by a ton the entire season, and they just ran away with the division. But in that year, we look at it as the rightful team being crowned the king of and, the, and, the and, and American you, League. So true. So you, you, maybe you get the World Series. Well, the two best teams in each league won and then, the league, and then and the team play for it. Then you have a team that stumbled down the stretch, and they lose it in the last month of the season. Well, they collapsed. They didn't deserve to be in the World Series. Either way, it looks good for that that sort of pendant race. And you were saying that, uh, so, you know, we had two eight-team leagues, then the Angels came in, um, and, and the Twins in 61, and the Mets and the Astros came in, so now you have two ten-team leagues, you added uh, four more teams in 69, now you've got 12-team leagues, uh, and that's in 69, that's when they started division to play, and you, you said that might have been the most interesting playoff uh, you know, scenario ever, right? Because you had two division champions in each league that would play in the national in the championship series, National American League, right. and then they go to and the so World by series. splitting it into the four four divisions overall, you were almost guaranteed to have one of them be a race. One of them was going to be close down the stretch. You were always going to have an interesting thing. Oh, okay, who's going to be the other team playing for the championship series? Secondly, it still rewarded a really good regular season play because you only had to beat one team to get to the regular to the to the world series but it didn't put you in the weird position and this is i think why you had the advent of the wild card where you'd have some years where like the winner of the national league east would win like a hundred games and then the winner of the national league west would win like 80 something games and you're like Oh wow! Both of these teams have an equal chance to go to the World Series. That feels doesn't like, feel right. It doesn't feel right. But 
they both won their division, so it was easy enough to tolerate. Then when you added the the, the third division, and now you kind of need a wild card because, like, well, it made sense for the wild card because it really did stink when, like, the two teams in one of the divisions finished with a better record than the division winner of the other and one. And you're kind of rewarding the best team for having them play the wild card so you get the easier team, per se. Right. But all you've really done is made them play more games to try to win the World Series is what's going to happen now. <laughs> it's tough. And, and, but I also think that now that you've expanded to having so many wild card teams your regular season performance is almost irrelevant yeah well i don't know about irrelevant but uh, in terms of you can have as like we have this year uh, six teams in it for three spots on the wild card with two weeks to go in the season i mean that 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 just didn't happen fantastic regular season performance gives them the exact same chance to win the world series that the team that's going to squeak into the third National League wild card spot gets because you're not going to give them any. They, they get no they free. Get, they get no free wins for being the, right. the best record in the, in the in the league. So they get no extra. They do get to play one wins. less series. They get to, and they and they get to play more games at home than the other team, which has always been part of Major League Baseball. But other than that, you get no like yeah. You're already like a like the golf thing where you spotted like you know three three shots or something. You like that. You don't get that. No, you just have to play. Right, right. So um, and I, and I think that you know the. Uh, the, the managers are, are are trying to employ tactics uh, that are are with the players, you know, uh, in terms of their you know, understanding of what the players can do, and they're not going to go against what they know the players is is. Oh, like in regards to like bunting and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to do that. They know that they're no, they're not going to. Ha- you're not going to have if Francisco Lindor gets up with first and second and nobody on in a one run ball game and it's the eighth inning. Showalter is not going to have him bunt. No. No, no. And, and so these, these managers, you know, when they're, they don't get to employ strategy. And I think that's also something that the baseball fan, if they think of the way that it used to be, you know, Gil Hodges and his strategy, right, but you, again, you don't get you, to do be, that. But that's because you only remember the instances where he did anything. Right, most of the time he's just sitting there. Most of the time he's watching just, the game like everybody right, else. Right, exactly. And he was like, or he was like, okay, let's bunt. And the guy bunts it right back to the pitcher and Nobody's all talking about how Gil Hodges is now bad at strategy because the guy messed up bunting. And and do you think um, – and so this crossed my mind also in terms of why we think that there's a romantic notion about baseball used to be better. And, all. and I think part of it was identity of players so that you know the players would spend their entire career or di- and didn't move around nearly as much once free agency happened, obviously. Um, and, and so that you would identify a player with the team even if it wasn't – you know, Ed Creampool played 19, 18, 19 years for the Mets, you know, uh, his entire career. He was a decent ball player, nothing mm-hmm. better than that. But because he played his whole career for the for the for one team, you have this, oh, Ed Creampool's a Met for life. And guys don't do that as much anymore. And they move around too much. So I think you lose your identity a little bit. And that makes people feel like, oh, it isn't as good as it used to be because you don't have those those kinds of situations happen anywhere near as much. It's hard for me to be thinking anybody's looking back going, you know, what really made baseball better back in the day was Ed Cranepool and his 240 average. Talk to talk to a Met friend from back in time. They, 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 no, they, that's that's them. Okay, that's just But that's why you think baseball was better in some respects because... Well, that, you're not, that, that's not even better. You're just saying my favorite player. Yeah, back, well, back or, or romantic notion about well, a player. Right, and I, I think you're, you're more likely to get into those romantic notions about playing baseball in the past because you only... Only remember what you want to remember about that. But I think if we're purely looking at the quality of baseball play today, there's no doubt it's better. There's no doubt it's better. But I mean, maybe you disagree. And if you do, 
reach out to us, contact us. We want to hear from you. Please follow us, subscribe. Uh, we appreciate everybody out there that listens, and uh, we hope to hear from you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for listening, and thank you for you know bringing up questions to us that make us go, hmm, I'm not sure you know that I can... Uh, questions I, we want to talk about. Yeah, and, and, and we will talk about them. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on Twitter at Almost Cooper.